0: I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 147. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, I am sitting in the home of my friends, Chris and Sue Laddish. They live in the Kansas City area now, but they haven't always lived here. And we're going to be telling their story today. So welcome, Sue and Chris.
1: Thank you, Carol. It's uh, good to (laughs) be with you.
0: Thank you. It's good to be with both of you. So, you know, Chris and Sue, I do a lot of Um, teaching on missionary stories and recommending missionary stories to families and as I was thinking about it and speaking with your sister Sandy who's been on another podcast I've done Sandy Hay who works with disability uh, community the disability community she said something to me really profound and that was um We need to talk about missionaries that are still alive, not just missionaries from the past, although we love reading those books and stories. What about the people that we could actually take to lunch that are alive today? And so being in your home and having known you probably about 30 some years, um, it's just thrilling for me to be able to interview real existing missionaries. So first, tell me about the call to the mission field and and how, I know, Chris, you were called to a very specific country and a people group that the Lord really laid on your hearts. Um, But tell, if you wouldn't mind, that story to our listeners.
1: Sure. I think it started for me just after I got uh, saved at 18. Yes. Uh, You're good. And uh, I was invited to go to Jamaica Mm -hmm. uh, with a team of college students uh, from Glen Ellen and uh, members of a church. They wanted to go down and do um, vacation Bible school. And they had done this for several years in a row. And uh, they said, hey, why don't you join us and come down and do this? So I was like, wow, this is, sounds pretty cool. I was like three, three, three months old in the Lord. Wow. And uh, next thing I know, I'm on a plane flying to Jamaica. And I was like, my eyes were just like completely open as a brand new believer, seeing a new culture, new people, and then seeing needs. Um, it kind of wrecked my life, yeah, <laughs> to I say the least, seeing people living in little, um, you know, cardboard boxes, uh, little tin roofs tin, on their homes, yeah. just very, very poor coming from the, the States. And it, it just turned my world upside down. Yeah. And I proceeded to do that for three years in a row. And each, each time I went back, I had, uh, you know, more responsibility as part of this team and I think the Lord right away began to plant seeds in my heart for loving other cultures, other people, and um, just the idea of that. Maybe one day I'm I'm called into missions. Um, well, I went to college. I did two years at COD College of DuPage, and then I was transferred into at that time it was called Judson College, which is now Judson University yes. in Elgin. And, um, during that time I was starting to pr- pursue a call into uh, oh, not a call, but I thought I was going to go into law. Yeah. And, uh, well, a man named Arthur Katz came by. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Arthur, a, a Messianic I, Jew. He yeah. came and, um, yeah. just, he had a day at Judson that kind of like transformed my life. And wow. I don't know about Sue's life, but.
0: Did you meet at Judson we did we did yeah mm-hmm. we were both there at and the you same know time. jj went there for undergraduate my son. okay no oh, we no. didn't know that yeah
1: anyway so after that whole day and a half was over and uh the dust settled it's like i started really saying lord what do you want to do with my life you know i, I thought maybe law is not it yeah and that tug for mission started being resurrected <sighs> yes. It's like okay feel like I really want to pursue the Lord and and maybe go overseas. So that was a journey for a couple years, praying and asking the Lord for direction, you know, praying, fasting, just seeking Him. And um, I really came to a point where um, I felt like I really wanted wanted to do missions, but I wanted to make sure, is that what the Lord wanted me to do? You know, so we kind of wrestled back and forth for a while. And finally, he said, he's basically like, Listen, dummy, listen, my son. my will and your will are aligned on this. This is my heart for you. You can go, Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. and then the question was with who where where, yeah, because <laughs> it's like wow, there's a lot of mission agencies, and there's so many good ones and yeah. I had didn't really have a clue at that time, so um started looking around you know what mission what, what was offered in terms of missions and uh Several people at one of our churches, you know, say, well, you know, consider this or consider that. And I went really, I was thinking church planning, evangelism, that was what I wanted to do. And But the Lord um, redirected my path again. Yeah. And um, it was kind of an interesting time in my life where uh, Sue was actually overseas with uh, Youth with a Mission uh-huh. at the time,
0: uh-huh.
1: seeking the Lord's will on her life. Yes. And I was, like, kind of left alone back in the States. And I really felt this tug to take a trip, a faith trip, like Abraham was called out of his home. And I was living with my mom at the time. And I felt the Lord said, just buy an pass, which at the time yes. was Greyhound, right? Yes. Get on a bus and just travel the country. Right. So I did. I went and visited various places in the United States where I had friends and connections. Mm-hmm. I ended up down in Arlington, Texas. And, um... The Lord began a process of kind of like first taking everything away, yeah. stripping me. And I was just like sitting before him saying, okay, what is it? What is it you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And um it was during, I think it was like Christmas Eve or Chris, Christmas Day. I was alone. Yeah. You know, my buddy I was living with, he went out with his girlfriend and I was just like down there. I had, I had macaroni and cheese and yeah. peas for dinner. Yeah. Well, a couple nights later, I was woken up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was praying and kneeling before the Lord, and I had a picture, a vision, like a motion camera was being played right before me, and I saw a Bible open up, and like fire was just like coming out of it. And the Lord said, um, At that time, I thought I was going to go with ywam too, but He says, I've not called you to go with Youth of the Mission, I've called you to go with Wycliffe Bible Translators. <laughs> Like,
0: had you ever even heard of such a thing? No, not really. I, mean, oh
1: I was God. like, okay, what does that mean? You know, and uh, so the the vision ended, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, wow. This was um, on
0: Christmas when you were alone yeah, eating yeah, peas. Yeah, in. yeah, it just was, yes. was, was the
1: next night or the, the night after. Yeah, it was the, the Lord had taken everything away, and yes. all of a sudden, I was just available. I said, like, okay, what is it? And he finally, after all this time of prayer and seeking, I had this vision. Yes. And um, in the morning, I went back to sleep. My buddy had, oh, it's funny because during that night we were sharing the bedroom, but the Lord got him up. He left the bedroom, went into the living room, went back to sleep on the couch. I was like, wow, that's weird. That's when I felt the urge to pray and uh, had this vision. And then I told Tom later in the morning, I said, you don't ever believe what happened last night. I'm going to share it with you. And the cool thing is that he says, well, you know, the Southwest Regional Office of Wycliffe Bible Translators is two miles from my house. Why don't you take the car and go visit them?
0: Oh, my word.
1: So I kind of like traveled around <laughs> and then ended up on the doorstep of Wycliffe Bible Translators.
0: When you came back to the Glen Island area?
1: No, no. In Texas. Oh, this was in all Texas. in Texas. Yeah.
0: Oh, so you went to Lindale or what was No, no, it was this
1: is Arlington, Texas. Oh, it was in yeah. Arlington, yeah. Texas. Yeah. <gasps> so Duncanville is where the International Linguistic Center is right now. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, the, you know, once I received that call, I was like, wow. Uh, I went back home, back up to Glen Ellyn, Illinois. At okay. That time. Yeah. Yes. Back up with my mom. So I had the calling, I had the direction, I had And you had met I-
0: people over at the offices?
1: Well, what I did is they say, the first thing I contacted them, I said, well, you need to do a preliminary questionnaire at PQ. So, okay. you know, you, you fill out all this paperwork, you submit it, and, and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Things go. Okay. Anyways, later that year, though, I did go up to um, – Spokane, Washington. Okay. University of Washington campus and SIL was doing a linguistics course, ah. so it was my first semester of linguistics. Uh huh. And that's a whole other story. I mean, okay. <laughs> well,
0: so Sue, uh. were you guys engaged during this process, or dating, or just friends?
2: Um, we were friends, kind of dating before, and broke up. Yeah. I went overseas yeah. because I felt a call to missions. When I went to an Urbana conference, yeah. 1981 yes. <laughs> missions conference, yes, and they encouraged you if you felt the call to go overseas to um, you know, go on a short-term mission trip if you could. Okay. So yeah, and- I wanted
1: her to go because I felt called, and I wanted we wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Amen. We wanted to go do this together to missions, not just one of us. That's so right. I was like, yeah, go go for it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so it worked out. Where'd you go? I went with Youth with a Mission. Okay. They had a summer of evangelism in Hong Kong. Okay. In the summer of 1983, yeah, and that's where I went. Mmm. And, and then um, I, yeah, that summer, two months was over, but I didn't feel like I was done being overseas. Yeah. So I went to Manila, Philippines, Whoa. for a discipleship training school. <laughs> for another eight months, wow. and it was during that time that the Lord confirmed my call to missions. Oh, awesome. So, and we kind of got back together. And, our, yeah.
1: and your call to marriage. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, that was a
2: good fit, too, wasn't <laughs> yes. it? The marriage and the missions.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah. Now, yeah.
0: explain a little just Reader's Digest version of Wycliffe, um, the history of Uncle Cam, and, you know, the just... Who? What do you do when you're in Wycliffe? What What is their primary focus and
1: call? Okay, I guess you'd say our primary call is working with minority languages right. around the world. Okay, mostly languages that are oral have never been written down. They do not have an alphabet, and it kind of started with Uncle Cam, like you mentioned, back in in um, Mexico, yes. South America, working among the Quechua Indians. He was a Bible salesman, I believe, and He's out there, you know, selling Spanish Bibles to the Quechua Indians, and there is like saying, "We don't read."
0: Why doesn't and, God, <laughs> yeah. and doesn't God that, talk? Our why life? doesn't God
1: speak our language? That's right. Exactly. That was all. Thing, and it, it's like the light bulb went on. It's like, yeah. Why does. does it? he does? <laughs> what are we gonna do about it? Yeah. So that was kind of like the birth of Wycliffe. Him and uh, Ken Pike, you know, they started working among the Quechua. They learned a the language. They wrote it down. They develop an alphabet, and they start a Bible translation into that newly developed language.
0: And then they teach the people how to read. Read and write
1: it, yes. So that's basically the history of Wycliffe, and that's what we we did yes. in Burkina Faso. Okay, talk yeah. about that. Yeah. How did
0: the Lord bring you to Burkina, and, and what did you do when you got there?
2: Sue? Um, okay, in the well, in Dallas, yeah. yeah, we got married, and... Yeah, the Lord showed Chris Wickliffe, so we went Two months to, later, we were down.: <laughs> Yeah, down in Dallas, two months later in linguistics school. Wow. Yeah. because you have to learn how to translate. <laughs> Which... you have to learn to write down unwritten languages, yeah. take phonetics and phonology. and:
1: Three semesters of um, graduate level linguistics courses, Bible translation yeah. courses, things like that. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was yeah. intense.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we did that training. You have to have that training. At the time, now it's different nowadays. Uh, but, yeah, then, it's a, but, but then? But back then, that's what yeah. you did? Right.
0: And, and then how did you wind up in Burkina Faso?
2: Well, we were praying, just like praying about the call to missions. We prayed about which country. Yeah. And
1: which area of the world.
2: through yeah. a series It was during of, the summer.
1: Summer of 85? We were down there, yeah.
2: Yeah through a series of meeting people <laughs> yes who came through uh, the dorm in Dallas. Yeah we were taking care of the dorm that summer. Every, there was missionaries who came back from the field on furlough and they yeah. happened to go there. And everyone that we met was from West, working yeah. in West Africa. No with interesting yeah. Yeah, it yes was, it was like. And so that was the area of the world. And um, then which country? Yes. We just kept praying which country. And then we thought we were going to go to one country that people group had a need. But then uh, the director of one of the other West African countries... (laughs) Um, came through Dallas yeah. and said, "No, you don't want to go there. You want to come here. There's a lot That'll of needs come. in Burkina Faso. Wow. So anyway, yeah, the Lord answered prayer and directed us to wow. Burkina." I want to she,
1: interject one thing here. Uh, as, a, as a as a kid, young yeah. young boy, I loved Africa, and I even mm-hmm. had I did reports on Africa. I remember doing reports on Africa. animals. But no idea why had that desire and interest in Africa as a child. Yes. So after, you know, getting saved and starting on this mission career, to me the the continent of Africa was like kind of a no brainer. Like we're going to Africa. I'm pretty sure we're going to Africa. But it was like the the geographical location, where in Africa, Lord, are you calling? Mm-hmm. And that that was that summer it was so cool. The because, Lord just narrowed. Yeah, he narrowed, narrowed it down, and then it was between like actually at that time it was four countries under one one leadership, you know. Yes. So it Was Ivory Coast, Mali, Niger, and Burkina Faso, and they were going to break into two two separate entities. And uh, this director that we talked to said, "Yeah, come over and join us in Burkina." And we felt that was the yeah, that was yeah. where we were supposed to go.
0: Yeah. So, so you got there, there's a holiday inn, a limousine picked <laughs> you up and the rest is history. There was the hot tub and the right? I mean, what what was your life like in Burkina Faso? Well, um, before that, we had to do three
1: months training. I do to talk about in Cameroon? Okay, for tell me about living that. on the field. Okay, just, I just, yeah, it was really, it was really a, trial by fire. Yeah, it was. The, the, I think the most interesting time they talked a lot about, you know, how to take care of yourself in a village, how to treat yourself medically, yes, things to look for. But one of the phases was we had to go live with a family in their home in a remote area. Was it for three weeks? I think was it was three weeks. Yeah. And we had two young kids. We had a oh three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. Oh my! Living and in one were, little room. The room and no paper
0: diapers for miles. Uh, oh my no. gosh, away. No, yeah. there Away, right. no Cloth diapers. Cloth diapers. Cloth diapers. Oh my right. gosh. And yeah. no washing machines to wash those cloth diapers. Right. but
2: yeah, <laughs> they did wash for us. The they ladies, did. yeah. They oh. helped us wash our clothes. So they washed sweet. by hand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But I remember
1: one, one story Are they have something called moot moots. Like yeah. No So they like little oh, little teeny bites appear on oh. your skin. You oh. get these little red blotches. Oh, yes. And our daughter was getting eaten up, Rebecca. She was like, you know, like I said, one and a half. And she yeah. had these blotches oh, all oh. over her, you know.
0: Makes me itch.
1: Yeah. And then, um, well, drying diapers was interesting, right? We, we, in this one little room we had, we put a little kerosene lamp yes. in the middle. Yes. And we hung diapers above the kerosene.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yes. the diapers
1: would dry. yeah Because you didn't want to wear wet clothing. Because right. you can get the, the tumbu fly oh, larva. you right. if your clothes are wet, the yes. flies lay in your eggs skin. In, in their clothing. Yes. And actually, one day I was like, whoa what is this? I thought it was a Chris. pimple. And, and they dig into your skin. It. I squeezed it. And out comes the <laughs> worm. It did. So oh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. those are some fun stories we yeah, get had in the village. Yeah. Oh, oh.
0: Do you know what I believe is the most impactful thing you can do to help you on your homeschooling journey? It's attending an in-person seminar. These exciting days have the power to transform your homeschooling experience. I invite you to come to my upcoming live seminar in Loma Linda, California on Sunday afternoon, February 5th, to be refreshed and encouraged. I'm especially excited to tell you that my son, JJ, will be joining me. JJ was homeschooled himself, is a pastor with a doctorate degree, and now he and his wife are using the very same methods with their four children. You don't want to miss the chance to hear his perspective and insight. After the seminar in Dallas last fall, one parent wrote to us and said, after going to Carol's seminars for over 12 years, there hasn't been a time when I haven't gleaned something new from her teaching. Having JJ join her only strengthened her message. It was life-giving in so many ways. JJ and I will each teach two sessions of my basic seminar, a literature-based approach to education. Then we'll end the day with a panel discussion where you can hear from other seasoned homeschool parents. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com slash upcoming seminars to learn more and register today. I really hope to see you there. Now back to the show. Was it quite shocking being in a very different lifestyle and culture?
2: Um, Yeah. I think it took a while to adapt, (laughs) and thankfully we didn't go right into a village setting. We were in the... Are um, talking about
1: Burkina? In
2: Burkina, once we got to Burkina Faso. We were in the capital city for two years. Okay. And And what were you
0: doing for those two years?
2: um, We did... um, just like administ- help in administrative because they were yeah. low on staff. Yes, And it helped us just to get acclimated yeah. to living, how to go to the market, exactly. you know, how to bargain for things. Yes. Um, and what language was the language in Burkina? It's a French colony, okay. so the public schools were all in French. French. So we did do a year and a half of French oh. study also before we came. We left for Burkina. From the time we started our uh, linguistics uh, studies, linguistic and translation studies, uh, and also raising our support, your faith-based mission, and learning French, it was five years years. from the time we started till the time we got to Burkina. Burkina. So yes, in in the city and elsewhere, in, around Burkina, those people who have gone to school would could speak French. Government so French food was, food, was yeah. the main language. Nashville. So that
0: was your entrance language, yeah. yes, yeah. into the c- culture. Yeah. But then when you got to the village, village, that was not the language.
1: No, no, everybody spoke Kurumfe. Yes,
0: yeah. tell me about that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a, an awakening moment, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, fortunately, like Sue mentioned, we had a little um, little introduction to learning another language i didn't i didn't speak any other languages or just english so when we went up to quebec i mean we took a placement test i placed zero zero <laughs> i think i had bonjour and merci and I, you know, everybody knew those two words and so you know the first day is immersion and you know, like yeah. they're talking to you in french i'm like what the heck i had the biggest headache at the end of the week you know it's like Anyways, but that was good. It was a good practice because then you get to Bailey, Haiti, where we, we built a home and we were living, and now it's kurunfe, So at least some of the guys we were working with, had, they had some French so we could communicate with yes. them. But when you sat down to say, okay, you know, you get out your tape recorder and, you know, you your little cahier, your little booklet um, to, to start transcribing what they're saying, you know. You ask them, how do you say this? And, you know, how do you say this word? And then you have word lists. You know, you're just trying to gather data, gather data. And obviously they're they're speaking in Kurunfe and I'm like, what? Yes. <laughs> you know, how am I going to do this? I'm... Lord, help. And, you know, this is really our story. It's all about the grace of God and the faithfulness of God.
0: Tell me about that.
1: Because, well, I have to back up. I, I, I was kicked out of high school. I was one of those children that were... It was in the wrong crowd.
0: Yeah.
1: So when God said, you know, I want you to go with Wycliffe Bible translators, and I found out what this is all about, and I had to start on a master's level in linguistics in languages. Yeah. I was like, man, you've called the wrong guy. Yeah. This is not me. Like, what was it? Here I am. Moses said, but son Aaron. I was like, <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. So I was really intimidated when I went up to Washington. You know, I was like. Yeah. Sit in my phonetics class, my phonology class. Those two are okay, but when it came to grammar, man, I was like, what? I had no background because, like, in high school, I didn't pay attention to that right. stuff at all. Oh. You know, when I got papers back from my teachers, it was it was decorated with red. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is cool. They really like it. Yeah, you know, all yeah. these red marks. <laughs> and then I saw on the top, it said F. Minus, you know, oh. you couldn't, I, I got lower than F. You
2: know? oh. <laughs> we're talking about high school. Yeah, high school, yeah. yeah. So
1: anyway, so when I get up there, I'm, they're talking, like, about verbs and nouns and participles and yes. adverbs. I was completely lost. I bet. I was like, I'm out. Because Wycliffe has pretty high standards. They said, if you don't maintain a B average, you yes. know, we're not going to keep you, yes. basically. I mean, yes. this changed probably. Right. But But, um, and I remember taking that first big grammar test. I got 17 out of 100. Mm. Totally failed. Went back to the dorm I said, see, Lord, I told you. It's not for me. I can't do this stuff. (sighs) TA comes to the door, knocks on the door, says, Chris, you didn't do too well on your test. I said, no kidding. He says, I'm going to give you a chance, another chance, just between you and me. Take it in your room, take a deep breath, pray, and then take the test. (laughs) Got to be minus
0: Oh, praise the Lord.
1: But the cool thing is that uh, a song came on the radio, and it was, uh, I think it was Twilight paris but um, it was um, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, not by power, but by, by by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's the Lord said. That's for you. That's how you're going to do this. You're going to rely on my grace and re- rely on my spirit to be able to do this work. Amen. So I had that right in the beginning, and wow. we carry that throughout the years. And when we get to the village, and it's, now it's time to learn another language. So okay, here we go, Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One more time, I'm relying on your spirit and relying on your grace. Yes. And it did it. We we got in. We moved in what 95, I think, 1995, and by 2000. Five years later, we had developed, um, we had written down the language, we'd analyze it, we created an alphabet, we came up with a reading primer, and we were ready to start translation and literacy classes five years later. So it, it's a long time, but. It doesn't sound it, long to me. It was to all, do all that. the grace of God, let mm-hmm. me tell you. Um,
0: was it easier for you, Sue? Was language easier and phonetics?
2: And um, I think. Uh, Just the school in Dallas, it was challenging. I did have some French, so Um. I placed higher in the... Uh (laughs) (laughs) It would've been hard to place lower. Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's where I would've placed, (laughs) under Chris. That's where I would've placed, (laughs) but yes, yes.
2: Yeah, so I'd say it wasn't, yeah, the language wasn't so difficult. Well, when we got to the village to learn yeah, I had a wonderful woman a Karunfei woman oh. became a, a really good friend of mine, yeah. and she helped me learn the language. She really
1: wanted you to know the language. Yeah, oh, the she, language. Was really she was good. <laughs> she was determined that she was going to learn how to speak. so
0: beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Salamata. Yeah.
2: I oh. think, um, like when you said, when we first got there, it was hard to get over the poverty mm. and what yeah. the people there did not have. And I looked back at my life and how I grew up. We were just regular middle-class America. Right. But I had, you know, we go out to restaurants or go right. to a play or a concert. My right. dad was loved concerts. Yeah. So I almost had a struggle with, I did have a struggle with feeling guilty yes. for what I had and what they didn't. And that was one of the struggles I had. And the Lord helped me through that, Amen. you know, through the years. And, um yeah. After a while, <laughs> kind of took well, that away. Well, even the size
1: of her home, right, which is not big by American standards, right. but in, in a village, it was it was like, wow, what are they got building a palace over there? <laughs>
0: right, <laughs> exactly. You
1: know, we had like cement floors and a tin roof and mud and that walls. Was a big you know, deal. yeah, for for them it was like huge, and they for mud us floors. it was like well, if you guys only knew. But yeah, yeah I mean, we looked kind of like well, ritzy. You yeah, We ritzy. were we were outsiders too. You know, yes. we were trying to make our way into the village, but. Yeah, there's, there's things that you deal with as missionaries, you you want to connect with the culture and the people, um, but you know we had three children at the time, and like well, we could go and live in uh, like a little teeny hut, like yeah. in, in, with dirt floors, and right. but we didn't feel that was the way to go. We right. just kept trusting the Lord, right? And, and uh, he led and you.
2: Some people do, you know, some yeah. missionaries. Yeah, there are it's, some that do. That it's everybody has full, a what you can right. Can handle. That's right. Overseas. That's right. And so there's no judgment, yep. but right. you know you just are led yep. by the Lord, yep. and it's not right or wrong. Right. Yes. It's what you. That's can the do. key. Every
1: family, every missionary's got to wow. find out their comfort zone. What what they can, you know, live with. What they can sacrifice, yes. and what they have to, you know, like keep for themselves. Yeah. And that that's a struggle. Finding uh, that balance. Yeah, that balance. And for,
0: finding um, your rhythm. For for you and yeah. for your right. family, what works right. for which us is different yeah. from the next guy. Right. Right. So you no. were in Burkina how many years in that? You were in the same village all those years, or different villages?
1: Yeah, we we arrived in the, the December 1990, and like Sue said, until I think it was uh, 92, fall of 92, we went up to Jibo, which okay. is in the northern part of Burkina Faso. Yes. Where we were there for a year. Okay. And at that time, I was doing language survey because there was two dialects of Kurunfe, East and Western dialect. Yes. And I was doing word lists back and forth, and so we had it was a good place to land because they had homes we could rent up there already. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we determined which region we were going to work in, then we actually took a furlough. Mm-hmm. We came back, yeah, 1993. Yeah. We probably ran into you, yes. <laughs> at the, yeah, at the Vineyard we Church in, in church. 93. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the the plan was to raise money to build a home. And then go back, start our home, and then move into Bailey Haiti. So we were we, we moved in in 1995, and we were there for in the village as a family for eight years. Um, and then during that time, let's see, oh, Sue and, homeschooled,
2: yep. and then we went to the uh, city for the our kids to go to a um, international school for yeah. a couple years. So all in all, from 1990. To 2016, 2016, we were in Burkina. Yeah. Wow. To 2010, yeah. let's say full-time with furloughs. Yes. And then uh, 2011, for for five years, we went back and forth. Yes. For um, six months at a time. Yeah. Okay. So I'd say, yeah, 26 years. Let's okay. See. Wow.
0: Wow. So, and did you end with a... New Testament, a book of John. What did you end with that you kind of, I know that's a very big milestone in the Wycliffe movement to hand yeah. the people the word of God.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, so um, we were active in the project in, up until 2009. Huh? Nine, eight, yeah, nine two 2009. So we were working in with the Kurumba, with the, uh, the team that I, I developed, from 19, basically 1993, 94 all the way up to 2009. Oh. And at that time, we had, like I said, the orthography was written. We had literacy classes going. We had done portions of uh, the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus. We had translated uh, the Luke Gospel, yes. Luke and Acts. Oh. And we had started drafts in other books. Wow. Um, and it was during that time we were on, on furlough. I was actually at Wheaton. Yeah. Doing <laughs> a master's, yeah, um, in Christian formation and ministry. When the decision was made by our admin back in Burkina that they wanted the, the, the project to go national. Yes. So we had created a national organization there called Antaba. So they wanted to hand the project over to Antaba to, to lead it. So that was hard, very hard for me. Very and hard. I told you about painful things. Yes. Um, because yes. It's, it's basically, yeah, exactly. You put your life, heart, soul, life into it. And, yeah. uh, you know, that call to yeah. go over there and, yes. and do this. So, um.
0: But none of it would have happened if you hadn't right, done I it, guess, Chris. I guess, right. Exactly. So, you know.
1: Yeah. So anyways, um. After that, we, Sue and I basically—well, uh, I had based on my work at Wheaton. Yes. I created a curriculum of discipleship, which then we used to do scripture engagement over oh. there for the last five or six years. We oh, were there, wonderful. so we got to visit many different. Um, Regions of Burkina Faso that had portions or had already received the New Testament. Yes.
0: And
1: then we got to teach them about the importance of God's Word and, oh. how, and how to use God's
0: oh, Word. Oh, <laughs> because that's the key. Yeah, right. You can Using give someone it. a Bible. Exactly. But if they don't value it and right. know how to use it in their daily life yep. to yep. grow. So that oh. was that was fun. I
2: mean, and was, I will say that uh, our translators that were working with Chris from the beginning, Um Finished the New Testament. The yeah. whole thing. Yes, with six, another 16, um, another, another man, another Burkina Bay man. Yes. So there was the three of them that finished it. And it was uh, published then. <laughs> and we were able to go back in 2018 for there. the dedication. Oh, and to actually see good. it oh. and see the people. They yeah. were so happy and joyful. That they had the New Testament in their own language. That's so, right. and then we did a
1: scripture a, engagement seminar with the New Testament uh-huh. with some of the pastors and people that we knew right there in Wagadougou. So it was kind of cool. And David came with us. Our son came with us and helped. Um, so that it was, was a joy to yeah. see
2: the joy on their faces yeah. receiving God's word. And um, yeah,
0: how beautiful. So if someone feels, uh, and then you're still with Wycliffe. Whoops, yeah. sorry. Um, Tell me what you do now. I know you can't go into detail, so, but tell me just generally what you do right now.
2: Um, we're more in a staff care role yes, now, yes. which is really um, essential. Yeah, essential and has really come into play more and more, mm-hmm. taking care of the missionaries, missionaries who yes. are on the field. Yes, and um, that is what we do, kind of remotely, and then we can travel. Yeah, from time to time, we go overseas and yeah. meet with people personally. Yes, so a lot is done by Zoom calls, and we yeah. want to make sure they're doing good, you know, physically, mentally, yes. emotionally, spiritually. So, so important. You know, it's a role of encouragement and prayer, prayer. Mm-hmm. and helping uh, them find. Good balance yes. between work and life yes. and being resilient in the Lord and things like that. You
0: know, when you read these old, you know, William Carey and Ed and Irma Judson and stuff, they had no pastoral care yeah, for themselves bit, yeah. and what their wives, particularly many of them, you know struggle with mental illness depression they 're so isolated they have no support mm-hmm. that 's not true. the case in the modern missionary movement we've figured some things out <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> as the years it 's taken a long time I know. you know member care staff care is really relatively Relative new like twenty last twenty years That's fifteen right. year yeah so it's it 's taken a long time, I but know. When you see missionary after missionary burning out in the field yeah. and going home, yeah. or you know marital relations yes. problems oh, and yeah. stresses in the field, yeah. um, it's it's good that we have like member care now, where people yeah. can turn to and say, hey, you know, I, I need to talk, that's right. I need to debrief. Or when you come home, you know, if your home assignment for six months or a year, whatever it is, you get some counseling. Yes. You know, talk about the things you're struggling with. Yes. Uh, there is a support team out there right now, so that's so. that's basically our role god is doing some neat things yes
0: he is (laughs) well um would you all pray um i think i'll ask sue to pray sue would you pray for maybe um some young people maybe some young couples that are listening to this podcast and thinking we've always wanted to go to the mission field we read these books it charges us up but where do we start? How do we explore this? Is it possible mm. that it's for us, or is it just people in the olden days that had this call on their life? Mm. How, how would they begin to put their toe in the door and in the water, I should say, and, and figure out, is this mm. where you're wanting us? Is the, is the modern mission movement completely different than what it used to be, when people would get a coffin, put all their goods in it, and sail away knowing that they would never come back and that they were going to die on the field. I know that's not the case anymore. But what if someone is exploring
2: missions, yeah. would you pray for them, mm-hmm. Sue? Sure. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that... Um, <clears throat> You are the God of all nations. You love uh, you love, the people of the world. You said that there will be people from every nation, mm. tribe, tongue, language. language before your throne. And um, I thank you for those that you have called. And I pray for those who are wondering if you have called them. Mm. And I pray that you would um, lead them and guide them just like you led and uh, guided Chris and I. You are so faithful. Mm -hmm. You are a good shepherd. You are a good leader. Would you lead them to those uh, places and resources, the mission uh, agencies to contact? Would you uh, confirm the calling in their heart, Mm -hmm. Lord? that uh, only you can do. And you confirm by so many ways, Lord. I pray that you would speak to them and lead them. We know that the uh, fields are white for harvest. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would send more workers into the harvest Amen. field. Amen. We thank you and uh, praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. Amen.
0: Amen. Chris, anything you want to add?
1: Amen. I, yeah, it's just uh, this, the, the need for laborers to go into the harvest field. We really need a new generation uh, of young people to rise up and take that baton and, and run with it. So, Lord, I just ask that you would just move uh, by your spirit, Lord, on the, on the hearts and minds of the younger generations today, Father. We, we need more laborers. You've, you've, you've asked us, you've told us to pray. You said that the, the fields are white unto harvest. Therefore, beseech the Lord, the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers. So, Lord, we're asking you to answer that prayer that you've given us to pray. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name.
0: Mm, Amen. Wow. Well, thank you, Sue and Chris. I have enjoyed this so much. And thank you, listeners, for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.